Welcome back, Red Spotters! I'm your host, Alexis Soto, joined by Mr. David Francisco, and today we are going to bring you our proper season review for Stranger Things 4, otherwise known as Stranger Things Season 4, of course, which dropped on Netflix, dear God, almost an entire two whole weeks ago. And of course, yeah, look, let's just be real here. It is a long season. These episodes are longer as had been previously advertised. David and I had also given a little bit of a reaction, I want to say last week, but now that I've seen the entirety of it, we're now going to actually have a whole sit-down discussion of it. Peter has had a hell of a week. I'll let him explain in his own time what happened, but he still, I think, to my uh, knowledge had only seen just one episode of Stranger Things because he's just been so busy with everything else, not just in terms of like media, but also personal wise as well. So, um, Kyle was going to be here, uh, although he had other arrangements. So, David and I are just going to take you on this recap of Stranger Things by ourselves, it seems. And just to get some of the stuff out of the way with, we have here uh, the debut. Stranger Things for really blue records as it says here that surged past Obi-Wan Kenobi in streaming showdown This comes to us uh, from deadline the newest batch of episodes of Stranger Things which arrived on Netflix the same day as Obi-Wan premiered on Disney Plus uh, which premiered, uh, powered the show to 5.1 billion minutes of US streaming in the first three days according to Nielsen Um. These numbers were captured during the week of May 23rd to May 29th. The series debuted on May 27th in a head-to-head -head clash at the start of a long Memorial Day weekend as Top Gun Maverick was also making its theatrical bow. Nielsen released the figures for the two series today, a departure from its usual rhythm of delivering uh, streaming stats about a month after the fact, and generally on Thursdays. Netflix, which has issued its own weekly top 10 rankings of dozens of countries, had already anointed the latest Stranger Things outing as its biggest English-language series. Uh, the Season 4 rollout of Stranger Things is a staggered one, with the first seven episodes landing in May and the final two hitting the service in July. According to Nielsen, the show is just the third title ever to crack 5 billion weekly viewing minutes, ranking number three after Pandemic Darling's Tiger King, which had 5.3 billion minutes, and Ozark with 5.2 billion minutes. Those records were established during the intensity of the early COVID lockdowns in March 2020 as Netflix subscriber levels exploded. The current season four episodes of Stranger Things accounted for 4 billion of the total 5.1 billion minutes, according to Nielsen. Um, so what does all that mean? It's a hit. <laughs> I mean, in layman's terms, that's what it is. And it really shouldn't be a surprise, um, to any of us, really. Uh, Stranger Things is one of these things where, for whatever reason, when it's not on, no one's taught, no one talks about it. And even though that's the case, it doesn't mean it's not popular when it's not on the air. Because just judging by the sheer volume of merchandise and its presence at all of these conventions over the years, 
And when you put that, of course, with what we already know happens to be the case with, you know, the actual data that's been released through Netflix and Nielsen over the years. And then even just anecdotally, we know Stranger Things to be among, if not, perhaps the single most popular television show right now. I mean, and that's not saying it is like the most like uh let's see culturally significant one Mm -hmm. that's not saying it is the best series on television but when you measure all of the popularity and the success in terms of like how you know this series is this is i think the perfect example of lightning in a bottle um where that first season just it was like an enchantment um, and we all loved it, and we all were just drawn to it, and it just became it exploded out of nowhere, so big. And I think what's also helped is, you know, contrary to some um, critics out there who would say otherwise, it is my feeling that the subsequent seasons, you know, two and three, very much, you know, kept up with the quality of the first season. And only further explored this world and these characters. And I feel if the seasons that came after the first one were so lackluster as some people believe them to be, I don't think Stranger Things would be in the position that we are right now. And I feel, um, I don't think we've ever said a bad thing about the show because I honestly don't know. Ultimately, from a quality standpoint, we can have nitpicks. We can have like, you know, little bit issues with story directions. But as far as execution and as far as quality, I don't know if we've ever had a really terrible thing to say about the show. Because it's it's just honestly, it's operating on a level all unto its own. And it continuously seems to keep up the momentum despite the fact and yes, I understand some people that it's been three whole years since the third season. And so because the hype has been kind of like dormant or dead for a better, you know, for a lack of a better word, um, I guess, you know, you could be excused uh, for not, you know, expecting too much. But like, I don't know. I mean, I I went back and did a rewatch of the whole series late last fall, I believe. And I'm only, I'm just, I'm basically doing it all over again because I just finished watching Stranger Things 4 or the first part of it. And I'm like, well, I still want to see more. So, you know what? I got the time. I'm going to go ahead and rewatch the whole series. And in the end, by the time that the new episodes uh, drop on the first week of July. Um, But I went back and rewatched those first three seasons last fall. And it just became really apparent to me how excellently all of those seasons are structured Mm. and considering the sheer volume of characters, the, just the size of the ensemble. And it is a formula. Yes. That they follow every single season, but when it's this well done, it is really hard to be mad at it because every single time they leave us and they come back, they're like, really, do we really need another year? Another uh, season of stranger things? (laughs) But then, the minute that thing starts, they pull us back in, and we're so sucked in. And at least um, getting into where we are right now with the fourth season, very much like how it was with the third season, 
as soon as you start watching it, you can't stop watching it. It is so addictive. It just the mystery elements of the show are so intoxicating. Like it just they're too tantalizing, maybe for a better word here, that you can't help yourself. But just like reel yourself in completely and like be glued to what is happening on screen. Um, and I think all of that, all of that is alone, the markings of an amazing, amazingly written television show. But then you add on such wonderful characters that, again, and I've always say, you can make, you can have the best quality, but if you don't have like characters that like keep you engaged with the story, you know, to care about them, I don't think you care about anything in the show. Or anybody here. Um, so it's honestly kind of not surprising, but also surprising at the same time. But I guess that's the long way of me saying that I love I I love the show wholeheartedly. And as far as season four is concerned, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I think it is amazing, and I think this show is um only just warming up because we still got one more season to go, which is insane. But man, these Duffer brothers, they know what they're doing. They are, look, they're taking an original property of theirs and they're so good at what they do. I concur with what Peter said to me the other day. These two are ready for a movie, not just any movie. They're ready for a Marvel, Star Wars, DC level movie. And I think they would be, it would just, it, they would just crush it. Because already with, with this original property of theirs, it plays in a similar genre. But I think what is continuously becoming a challenge for them, they continue to meet that challenge of not like um, crush it completely. And the challenge I think happens to be not just how do we keep this feeling fresh and interesting again um, for another season? But how do we do that with maintaining the vast number of characters? Oh, and by the way, also introducing all new ones mm -hmm. and keeping like, how do you make all of that work? And I honestly, that's, that's a very good question how they're able to do it. I don't know, but I think that just speaks to their talent level, honestly, how they keep doing it. So I guess it's easy to say, yes, Stranger Things is great because it's always been great and they make it look easy. I don't know how they're able to do it. And I just think it's it's pretty fucking great. And I think it, it, it reminds you this season why this show hit so big in the first place and why it continues to be so big. Um, yeah, it's just... It's... it's it's Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. David, your your thoughts. No, I mean, in terms of like its popularity, I feel like Stranger Things like revamped just that style of storytelling of group of kids getting into crazy shenanigans. Because I mean, I know uh -huh. people brought up Goonies, um, like ET to kind of like compare it to, and then you know we just and then we got what was it that Ghostbusters movie that came out that sort of. And so, Afterlife yeah. last year, mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. you know people kept bringing up Stranger Things like oh it's like you know they're it really is revitalized like, that show really did revitalize that kind of I guess you can say genre I don't know uh, uh, but also I know House of Cards was what got Netflix to be popular but I feel like Stranger Things 
kind of like solidified at least maybe like the streaming service popularity you know i feel like mm-hmm. it was because of that show that kind of like other companies are <laughs> starting their own streaming services and all that uh no it definitely changed the game mm-hmm. house of cards was definitely very successful and i think it is the show that um got people's attention when it came to streaming services making original content mm-hmm. that's gonna be crap of course house of cards changed all of that but it really wasn't until Stranger Things when people really saw the gold mine that streaming services could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it turns popular. That's that's kind of a cool thing to to think about what this show what this show did. Uh, well, my thoughts about it, I I honestly just really love the kids. I I love them yeah. in the first season. They were they were nerdy <laughs> uh just i love the crazy shenanigans that they always get to get to and everything and the one thing that really kept me in keep that got me to come back to this show was 11 uh mm. even though she gets very very little lines <laughs> in this show yeah i kind of care about her progress of like trying to become a normal person and everything and also like the second season was is my least favorite i don't know what it was about it it's just like it just didn't capture me as mm-hmm. as much as the first season did but right. i did like the relationship between her and hopper how that built up and everything uh and by the end of it you know i loved that he they were basically father and daughter right and so with this season you know i really thought Okay, well now we're she's finally gonna be like <laughs> the normal girl that she either she always wanted to be or at least like I, I wanted to see and everything. Uh I mean I like what they did with her um and everything. But now I'm just curious what's gonna happen to her in the end, obviously. And so yeah, I yeah, the thing that just keeps coming back is is Levin and these characters. I I think they were fantastic this season, especially Dustin. Oh my gosh, I think he Dustin and Nancy, I think they just absolutely killed it <laughs> in this season, not just from an acting yeah. point of view, but like character point of view. Mm-hmm. It, they were great. Um and the whole 80s aspect of it. I really, I really liked it. I mean, I I grew up my my sister, she's the one that always loved the eighties, like the style of it, the music and all that. So seeing this, seeing more of it that I that I've ever seen, it it's always just fun to watch. <laughs> no, yeah. It is uh, one of the aspects of the show that is just drenched in eighties references. But always in a way that's never eye rolling as some other um franchises tend to do with their callbacks or references, shall we say. No, it never does get that way at all. Yeah, with a large uh, cast like this, um, you can't help but latch on to um, the standouts. And every season, there do seem to be different ones. Um, I know, you know, season three, what really stood out for me was um, Steve, Dustin, Robin, and Erica. Um, Not that they were the only ones that were interesting, but those definitely stood out. In season two, uh, Noah Schnapp, uh, who plays Will Byers, really stole the show uh, with his performance. And then obviously in the first season, um, you're drawn to, you know, Eleven, Joyce, 
here we do have some standouts, at least, you know, trying to remember, you know, both old and new. As far as, like, the rock stars, shall we say, of this season, you have to start off with Sadie Sink, who plays Max, uh, who I've always just loved on this show and who maybe has never really been given enough credit considering uh, how good she is in this season. I did see her in Fear Street 1974, and she was terrific in that one. But here you're beginning to see, wow, she is on an amazing level. And I'm so happy to hear that there have been people already calling for Emmy nominations uh, for Sadie here. Um, No, Max is very much integral to um the main storyline that we have in hawkins very her storyline is intertwined with our new villain vecna who is also by the way a standout (laughs) this season and very fucking interesting in ways i don't think you would have expected until the very last episode i know i saw some reviews that uh were like oh i saw that vecna thing coming a mile away and i'm like what are you talking about i saw i didn't Maybe it was, yes, technically it was staring me in the face, but um, that was an amazing reveal um, with, uh, you know, the identity of Vecna, but then also, it, it, it's, it, look, there's so much to talk about, right? So, um, what a standout villain. I love the prosthetic makeup on Vecna. It is mm-hmm. so deliciously creepy. And the way he kills people is even more gruesome. I think the most gruesome kills I think we've seen on this show thus far. Again, we're comparing it to a Demogorgon who, whose kills we barely saw in season two. We had the Demodogs that mm-hmm. we did see them, I guess, bite people, which killed them. Uh, season three, however, we had the Mind Flayer literally explode people and use their bodies of meat to form its own. That was disgusting. Uh, but here it is. I mean, we see several characters here. Um, their limbs just completely, you know, snap in several different directions, um, as do their eyeballs explode inside the skull. It is, um, mm, not a pleasant thing to look at. And so from a gore standpoint, and then also from a horror standpoint, they're really doing a good job of keeping that element part of the show and 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 present and i would say also because that becomes intertwined with max um she becomes a target of vecna um and how that whole episode uh i believe it's called dear billy it's episode four it mostly focuses on her trying to escape vecna to me um that episode entirely but then i would say even the last moments of that of that episode the climax if you will of that mm-hmm. episode i think are among uh the uh best moments of the entire series mm. it is masterfully executed and heart palpingly um emotional if you will um i was on the edge of my seat because i wasn't uh sure what the outcome would have been and let me tell you, I was not prepared to lose um, <laughs> certain characters in that moment. So I was just like, what's going to happen here? Because the way that they directed that, it made you feel like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if this is a swan song or if 
they're going to make it out alive. It's, I think in some ways this season, you're not so sure anymore um, how secure a lot of these characters are. Uh, and we know that we're basically season four is the second to last season. So it's that time when a series is beginning to like turn full circle where you, you kind of have to be prepared to lose some people, especially when you have a cast that is this ever expanding. Um, the way this season feels like to me is like comparing it to, um, you know, the last two Avengers movies. This season four feels very much like Infinity War. And then we have the end game that it's in season five. Hmm. I do not know at this moment um, how – I don't know if the last episode of season four, which of course we have yet to see, if that's going to end in a complete cliffhanger – it would suck <laughs> if it ended in a cliffhanger because I want like a, a resolution to this season. But that being said, we're going into the last two episodes later on. They're four hours long uh, together. And we might lose some people here. And that might be – I mean, I think it will be devastating, whoever it is. If we do lose people, because the stakes I don't think have ever been higher mm-hmm. for a lot of the storylines that are happening here. We should say from a structural standpoint, um, the show has never been as big as it is now because you notice I mentioned there's like one main Hawkins uh, storyline. But you've also got some other ones as well. You've got what's happening um, with Joyce and Murray, who are venturing out into what I previously assumed was Russia, but as a matter of fact is Alaska. And they're, you know, on the hunt for Hopper because of course we knew he wasn't dead. So they're on the hunt for Hopper. And then in California, we've got Mike joining Will, Eleven, and Jonathan um, and Argyle, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, And then it kind of, converges not converges but i think it kind of separates into its because 11 ends up doing her own thing um and then it becomes um mike and company trying to like locate where she went uh and then you've got am i missing one um no no basically it's just those three uh yeah hopper and joyce the well, it's three, but then it becomes four because uh, Eleven separates from Mike and then Eleven goes down her own rabbit hole, if you um, will, this season. Yeah, yeah, there's four. So, mm. yeah, there's a, geographically speaking, we're uh, all over the place um, this season. And I know I've seen people complain about that because I think it's fair to say if you're somebody who feels we're at a, we're at a point where there are way too many characters – and there's so much going on um, that it's just hard to keep up with it. If you feel that way, sure, that's that's fair. For me, I appreciated the longer episodes. I think it worked in their favor having them all separated because mm. um, I know one thing. Every episode, I was like, "Dang, it's over an hour long," and then immediately after, I'm like, "Oh, it's over!" <laughs> like every single episode, <laughs> and yeah. so. And I think a part of it is because it, um, because the, all the characters were separated because they all had their own individual story, which all of them are important. You know, I mean, I guess 
if you had to rank them, like uh, to me, I guess the least important would probably be with the uh, Will and uh, the rest of them trying to get to eleven. I don't know, um, but um, but that it just again that them being all different and on different places worked in their favor. It could because they have like for one thing the editing it'll just keep moving and moving to the next person to the next person which kind of makes the whole episode seem go go by faster uh but also like i said each each one is important to the next and i feel like um because this is the second to the last season when we finally get to the final season and everyone comes together it's going to be even more epic that's one thing that i've always liked about the show is that whenever everyone starts coming together because i remember this happening in second season when 11 left and even though mm-hmm. <laughs> she had that little adventure that nobody liked <laughs> in the second season yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh my god there i actually wouldn't mind it if they brought them back in the final season honestly like having them like all come together fighting vecna or something i don't know um uh but when she came back after that i was like fuck yeah and then i love the shot in the third season where everyone's like they're on the first level of the mall and they look up and then 11 and the rest of them are whoever was with our camera who was you know they start coming together too like it, it's always it's always they, they've always made it epic and this time it's going to be even more epic just because of how far apart everyone is mm-hmm. it's just going to feel so nice going like dang you got you all went through a lot <laughs> and now you're finally together and it feels like okay now you're going to accomplish the mission <laughs> like you're finally everything's gonna work out it's gonna feel that way and then it's gonna be it's gonna make it even more sad when someone actually dies um which i kind of have a theory as to who it might be at least for one (laughs) i have one as well um yeah i think you're right ultimately i i never really been one of those people that would like uh has felt the show has ever dipped in quality and i don't think this season is any exception um and uh for one the show just keeps moving and moving and moving uh so as far as like pace is concerned i don't see an issue there whatsoever mm-hmm. as you were saying also i do think uh characters that really do stand out for me this season include dustin and nancy man are they really working overtime to prove their worth to this year se- to this series mm-hmm. um and this ensemble you know in a lot of ways i know with dustin he really has stepped up in a big way to lead um that team in hawkins in the absence of mike in some ways, the absence of Lucas for a little bit at the beginning, then also Will. So, and then even like, and Max was a lot, was absent for the first like episode or two. So, yeah, no, uh, I feel in many ways, Dustin has become a true leader and kind of like really appreciated a lot of the human moments. And then on the other aspect of it, you have uh, Nancy, who is just maybe the smartest character on the show because she just pieces together uh, things pretty quick and then she just goes and goes and goes. Mm -hmm. Um, All the while, I am really appreciative uh, and very much entertained by, you know, Steve and Robin's um, friendship. Um, I love the the pairings that we got also with uh, Robin joining Nancy and those two kind of like seeing how they would get along. Mm-hmm. Also, the amazing introduction of um, Eddie. What a hilariously great character. It's one of those that's played at the very, the very first episode, and you're not really sure what to make of him, and maybe part of you feels like, hmm, 
I don't know about this guy. But then he wins you over almost pretty quickly, I would say. And you really do feel a lot for the guy. And mm-hmm. him, when we get to the to the latter half, because there's this section in the season where he joins Robin, Nancy, and Steve as they go into the Upside Down. And I love a lot of uh, the stuff that we see there. Erica, you know, Lucas's little sister, continues to be just... <laughs> <laughs> The absolute funniest character on the show. How she just blows people away. Man, the mouth she has on her, not just as big, but really smart. And it's just like, it's so disarming. Um, I don't know if there's a character that can never really like, I don't know, like shut her up. But she's, I would say at first when she was introduced in the series, you could say maybe she was annoying. I think she's a lot more than that. Um, I'm not even sure. I'm, I'm, I'm never really annoyed by her, but, uh, she's, she herself has also proven to be relatively smart as well. Um, in Hawkins, we have a different storyline and I'm very much concerned because, um, what happens with the character of, um, what's the character's name on the basketball team? Um, the white supremacist. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I don't know. I'm I'm bad. With I don't, he's not a he's not a white supremacist, but um, you know, he's basically Gaston, um, where he's kind of a douchebag, um, and ah, from the very beginning, I I I just don't understand what it is people can't not detect about um. I don't know people with malicious intent because um, this character basically introduces himself to the audience by using the deaths of everyone in last season um to you know boost up morale for some cockamamie basketball game because of course that's what matters most to him Mm -hmm. and i know to an extent it is an important thing for the community but it also is pretty i think it's a pretty red flag when you're using some like a tragedy to make your games seem like this altruistic event that is so important to the community and everything um and it just gave me really bad vibes even more so that almost immediately when the stupid ass cops alert him of his girlfriend chrissy being murdered and could not at all anticipate the fact that this is an individual who would absolutely take matters into his own hands, become an extremist vigilante by gathering up his whole posse to basically target people and borderline torture them Hmm. to go and find someone who he dubs as a freak. Um, And for all I know, he was going to kill him. Probably was going to kill him, considering how um, overtly violent and hostile these people have proven themselves to be. And then, and I want to just get this whole storyline out of the way with now because it is just so infuriating. Because it it gets fucking worse. This this is one of these people who is so like so closed off to any potential that they're wrong. And whenever they're confronted with evidence to the contrary, 
they rationalize it in a way that it only makes sense to them and it continues that they were right this whole time. So when he sees one of his friends being murdered by Vecna, who levitates people up in the air and then like completely crushes their innards and everything, and because this happens, as he's chasing Eddie, he becomes further convinced, oh my god, Eddie's a witch. (laughs) What a fucking idiot. And what's even worse, the police allow this maniac this sociopath to hijack a press conference town hall for the community they just let him walk up and steal the mic and he uses this to spur on hawkins the hawkins community who by the way is unbelievably on edge after years of horrible shit happened to their community they're at a point where they've lost complete hope in the police. The police do not seem to realize this. And so what happens? This charismatic young white guy that has tendencies that are overtly violent in nature is now going to spur like Gaston Beauty and the Beast is going to spur on an angry mob to go and hunt children. All because they were in a Hellfire Club or played Dungeons and Dragons. And it is so, and by the way, this is no critique of the show or how it is executed on the show. It is so well done. But from, as a viewer, it is just so infuriating how many times we have to see this play out. (laughs) And it just, it it continues to take people by surprise that we're living in an era where our democracy is continuously being subverted and inevitably will be overthrown by people like, What's his name? Patrick? Something? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the basketball player. This, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that guy. Um, and it's just like, and it's just so infuriating because like, the he just literally took the mic from the police. The fucking police. If he were black, he would have been shot dead. He wouldn't have gotten anywhere close to the, to the microphone. I, I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> Situations like these are infuriating. Mm-hmm. And I think um, what I really loved about that storyline was that Lucas, who, you know, starts off the season wanting to be popular and wanting to be more well-liked and liking these guys that he's hanging out with, he knows better. And I'm so glad they made him know better because I was so afraid that Lucas was going to be with those assholes the entirety of this season And it wouldn't be until the very end where he would realize, oh my God, these guys are bad news. And then he would leave them. No. What I loved about this is that Lucas very early on realized shit's happening and these guys are unhinged and I better go with them and make sure they don't kill anybody. And then even further to the point, once he realized his own friends became, um, you know, the targets Lucas intentionally um, diverted them away as far away as possible and then ditched their asses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just very proud of Lucas for being able to detect um, that monster and whatever he was going to do. Um, no, that, that guy's a psychopath. Like, seriously, he is a fucking psychopath. And I swear, I hope Vecna kills him. I am rooting for him to be murdered. And I want I want that to be known. Even more so than that bitch that kept, like, 
torturing Eleven, which let's get to that. What the fuck was that? Are you talking about um in 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 the first part of the season we have um she's in school and she's being bullied oh, okay. um by <laughs> Angela is it Angela? Yeah, it's Angela. I'm bad with names. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, again, I I did not feel bad at all for what happened to her. I am sorry. I don't even care if her head was split open. She can go fuck herself. Yeah, she was being a monstrous human being, and no one around her was doing anything about it. And can you believe all of those assholes at the skating rink that were like, "Oh my God, poor Angela," and they didn't give a fuck about the humiliation or the downright torture and abuse. That Eleven was going through. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Seriously, fuck you. Again, I'm being triggered left and right here, but um, that's a whole thing. So, in California, the buyers have moved away. Eleven is moving with them. We see Eleven and Will at school. And off the bat, you can just tell based on – not even a word being said. They're not the most comfortable there. They don't seem to have made any friends whatsoever aside from Jonathan and – one at that um and it just seems to be a miserable time i mean minus joyce she seems to have gotten a new job and moderately enjoying that of course until it's ruined when she realizes hop may be alive so there's that Mm. but um jonathan is miserable to an extent because uh by the way argyle is an amazing new character and i love every (laughs) single moment he gets on this show because he continues to make me laugh every single time he's on screen so thank you writers for um introducing that character and you got the perfect actor to play that character and he just gels so well with everybody yeah um Jonathan's thing, from what I can understand, is he is intentionally distancing himself from Nancy, who he still loves, but the reason why he's distancing himself from her is because he feels he's going to weigh her down. I don't think he – they're no longer going to attend the same university together and that the journalism thing was always more her thing or her dream and he doesn't want to affect that in any way. Uh, And Hawkins, we – we see Nancy, you know, feel that Jonathan is distancing himself from her. And um, that makes sense on its mm-hmm. own. We'll get to the Steve thing in a bit. But on its own, that makes perfect sense uh, because they are like nowhere near each other. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, that is a consequence of separation, right? Like you're going to be distant. Yeah. Um, ultimately, same. yeah. It was the same thing happening with Will and uh, uh, not Will, um, with Eleven and Mike. And... Well, well, technically all three of them, right? Yeah, I guess all three of them. Yeah, yeah, Mike. But, uh, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, the only thing though is that with Mike and Will, they do kind of work it out at one point. You know, um, they're just kind of like, eh, I think we just we just haven't been communicating much, you know, and they they kind of just it takes. It the thing, doesn't it take until like the last episode for that to happen? Um, no, I think it happens. I think it happens in episode four where they they actually do talk it out a bit. Uh, it's just kind of like they don't get sort of uh, uh, what's the word? Like they don't get back into the groove, I guess, until maybe the last episode. It takes like that whole season, right? Kind of like for them to be best friends again in a way. Mm-hmm. Um. I think Nancy's great. Jonathan so far hasn't gotten much to do except for just be Jonathan and like um, pal around with uh, 
with Argyle. <laughs> that scene at the dinner table when they're <laughs> high as fuck, I think has to be one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. I loved it so much from Jonathan and Argyle's aloofness to Murray just knowing what it is, Joyce's confusion, and then Will just being so like over everything. It was just a perfect um, scene, and I'm dying to see it again, ultimately. I mean, seriously, I am. Um, there is this thing happening. Um, I am thinking... I love Joe Keery as Steve Harrington. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think maybe he's the one that's first on the chopping block. <laughs> yeah so to speak uh um when we come back uh yeah so um i don't know if you remember but uh the last time we talked about it i mentioned that there was a forced relationship going on it was this is um uh steve and nancy and i did not like it at all um one everyone keeps telling like keep you keep they keep pointing the camera at other people going like, oh, hey, there's like a spark going on here. And like no one seems to like talk to them about the fact that she already has a boyfriend. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone ever really brings it up at all. They're just kind of like, hey, you two, come on. Like, you know, there's something going on, right? It's like, come on, really? <laughs> and um, it was it was really bothered me, especially the fact that um. You know, the only reason why she's having relationship problems uh, with uh, the other guy is because they're just far Jonathan. away. Yeah, with Jonathan, it's because they're far away. You know, that's why I brought up uh, Mike and Will in that, like, you know, as soon as they kind of talked it out, everything's kind of getting back to normal. And I feel like that's going to be the same way with Nancy and Jonathan. Like, as soon as they see each other, it's going to be like, oh, Jonathan's, I can definitely see Jonathan being like, oh, I was being stupid. Like, I got to go to college with her. Like, why? Why did I ever think this in the first place, you know? And so, it just, it, that's really the just thing that bothers me. No one's bringing up the fact that she already has a boyfriend. I know for a fact that, like, it doesn't seem like they are. Robin did, up at for all. a minute. And I understand why it's them two, because, you know, they had a thing in the first season and all that. And I can definitely understand, like, oh, maybe there's some sparks going on. But I just kind of like the fact, though, that they're friends. That they, I mean kind of friends and they still remain that way but if it's for to make make it more emotional when he dies if he dies uh i might be okay with it in the end it's just they could have gone about it differently i guess so yeah that's that's one of my biggest problems uh, in this season. I have another one that I'll get to in the end. Uh, it's nothing big or anything, but mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's definitely one of my biggest problems with the show. <laughs> yeah, I think to me that was the aspect of this season amongst all the other things that are going down. That was the one that, you know, I found quite curious. Why is it that we're stopping so many times to get the idea out there that Steve has feelings for Nancy and maybe some part of Nancy still loves Steve. And I can't understand ultimately why all of a sudden the Duffers would just like, you know what? Maybe we want to get Steve and Nancy back together. And I wonder if I can't help but wonder as a matter of fact, 
if all of this is an intentional design to make a grand send-off for Steve. And I wonder if it's going to be almost immediately because we leave off this season. By the way, people, I'm so sorry, but if you haven't figured it out already, this is spoilers. <laughs> um, when we leave the first seven episodes, we don't know. We still have Nancy's fate up in the balance. And what I could very easily see happening, maybe maybe not that moment, but we know that like... Nancy's trapped by Vecna. I know some like um, some eagle-eyed viewers already caught that Robin had um, some, I think, tapes from Nancy's room when they were there on the Upside Down. So maybe they'll have that ready to play to get um, out of Vecna's curse and everything. But if not, Steve and Nancy technically are still in the upside down when we leave off this season, the, the, this um, first part of the season. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's not that big of a leap to see Steve sacrificing himself for Nancy. Mm -hmm. That probably could happen. It will happen mm -hmm. because when you think about it, what they also set up Robin. Being friends with Nancy. Before that, Robin was just friends with Steve. Mm -hmm. So maybe this whole thing has been saying goodbye to Steve. Who knows? Yeah. Actually, that was one thing I, I, I really liked about the show. Um, uh, Robin and Steve's friendship, like, it was so great seeing them in the beginning. Like, they're just great going back and forth with each other, and they're so hilarious mm -hmm. together. And I remember when. Robin and Nancy first teamed up. I was kind of like, "Oh, the <laughs> this is a different uh, team of dynamic. Here. Yeah, this is a different dynamic here going on. It's like it's kind of weird. It's kind of off, and not in a bad way. Like it, I think it was intentional because as the season as the episodes progress, they're slowly getting the dynamic not the same as her as Robin and Steve, but like you know they're getting in, they're, they're getting their own groove. They're getting their own groove, and I was like, "Damn, that's actually really cool." Uh, and so, yeah, you could be right. It could be to just have her and have uh, Robin and Nancy be friends because they might kill off Steve. Um, I don't know. I feel like he is kind of like the safest bet. <laughs> uh, to die? To die. Yeah. Because, you know, Hopper and Joyce, like you want them to be together. The other guy, he, they could kill him off. <laughs> uh, but I just, I don't really see him like sacrificing himself for anyone uh or i, I don't know <laughs> so he's, he's also the safest bet but it's not gonna be emotional at all like the other characters um with the rest i mean i don't know they're just they're really young so it's gonna be super sad if any of them do die i mean there's always a chance the reverse of what I just said happens, and maybe Nancy gets killed immediately when we come back. Yeah, that's true, too. Out of everyone right now, those two characters are in the most precarious situation. Yeah. They're directly in Vecna's crosshairs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's tough. Dang. I think that's the one thing that that sucks about being a writer. <laughs> just like, you know you gotta kill off characters. <laughs> Yeah, because then the fun's over. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a hard 
that, that's a hard call. I, I, it's hard to see them killing Nancy because Jonathan's still there, and you have to see them together at some point. I can't imagine them just leaving. Or maybe they do. Who mm. knows? Like, I mean, honestly, it's hard to be sure at this point. Mm-hmm. No, um, I mean, and also though, like I said, I mean, we both said it too. Um, like Nancy and Dustin, like they were, they were kind of like the badasses of this season. You know, they were figuring mm. everything out. They were trying to piece things together. They were the ones moving the team along to the next mission, I guess, to the next part of the quest and everything. And so I can't really see them killing her off, especially because there's still very few female characters <laughs> in this group. I feel like mm-hmm. it's going to suck if they kill one of them off, you know. Uh, but yeah, not Nancy, though, like, I think she's the one of the most badass because she just kept going with her gut and it kept leading her to the next uh, little revelation that we get and everything. Like, she was she was being a reporter <laughs> that it worked very well. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's That's tough, man. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, so, one of the other reasons, David, why I think mm. uh, Steve might be in some peril here is because, I mean, that last episode... He got a couple of um, chunks bitten out of his belly, it looked like, from some Demobats in the Upside Down, and uh, is he going to be okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that could lead to something bad, uh, which I wouldn't mind. I feel like I can definitely see him sacrificing himself for the group, uh, and it's because of, you know, if there is some kind of, like, rabies or whatever with within those bites... Um. Yeah, I could definitely see him like sacrificing himself for the for the rest. So, yeah, I think for sure he's like <laughs> number one on the list of <laughs> kills. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, <coughs> let me just get to the other aspect of this. Um. Man, I really thought Max was a goner, David. I really mm-hmm. thought she was gone. Like, that whole episode, cause she, and I thought it was really, like, she was so forward and, like, just prepared with dying that she had written everybody a letter in case she did die. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, saying goodbye. And holy crap, like, they really sold me on the idea, we're losing her. Even up until the very end. Um, but I just thought that a whole sequence was outstanding. The idea to use music and what a perfect song choice to like make it back from the brink of oblivion. Oh my God. It was perfect to me. What did you make of the, of that episode in those moments where she was, um, about to be killed and then at the very last moment, um, escaping Vecna. Yeah, no, I really like the escape from Vecna. Um, I can, um, I like the little setup, I guess, of using music to try and draw them out and everything. Um, but ultimately, though, I was kind of like, I was never really worried that she was going to die. Uh, but I did kind of get emotional how she was trying to escape. You know, I just, it, you know, she in the third season, she was always the outcast. She was thinking she was going to be the outcast, but then she gets brought in by, by these guys and everything. Uh, and so to kind of cut herself off from the rest of them because of what happened, uh, it was it was kind of sad. And I, I kind of like the emotional journey that she went through, especially that scene with her and her mom, which even though it was fake, 
you know, it was real for her and it was, I really enjoyed it. And so when she was finally escaping for Vecna, you know, again, the, the music was actually, it was a really good choice because I was it, like, it really got to, uh, emotional for her and everything. Uh, and I was rooting for her, like, get out, get out, get out. And when she did make it out and everything and everyone was kind of like hugging her and all that, I, I really liked it. You can definitely see the change afterwards from that scene that she was finally open with the rest of them. She kind of didn't want to be left out. Like she really wanted to be in this group now for, for, for sure. Um, and I love the fact that that song got so popular <laughs> after the show. My yeah, dad right? just like, uh, sent a text, uh, to a group chat and he was like i remember the, when this song first came out and his sister my aunt was actually like really loved this song when it first came out and everything and i was like oh that's interesting <laughs> uh so yeah that's really cool wow um shall we talk about what's happening in california so um <coughs> Let's see, I don't even know where to start here. So, <laughs> 11 to the side of things. Um, well, you know what? Before we get to that, what was your other big complaint or nitpick? I was going to ask, uh, aside uh, from the Steve and Nancy thing, what was your other big issue at this season that you wanted to bring up? Uh, it was just the ending. Um, uh, the explanation of Vecta, Vecna's origin. I just I just think it went mm-hmm. on a bit too long. Uh, we could have shortened it. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially because like, I kind of didn't really care about his reasons for hating humanity and all that. I feel like he could have... I feel like they should have just focused on the reveal itself. Like, hey, this person is Vecna. Um, this is what happened in the in that place where Eleven was taken or raised. And, and so I feel like if they just focused on that, it would have been the real the reveal would have been a lot better for me. Especially because mm-hmm. like I was kind of confused at the fact as to why Vecna was showing <laughs> Nancy all of it. Like, mm-hmm. I think it maybe it was just. I feel like if we kind of got, you know, what would have been better if we got that conversation that he had with Eleven, also with Nancy, you know. Well, the reason know. he was showing Nancy was because he's been following Nancy and he knows what Nancy's been up to. And before he kills her, he he's the kind of character that's much of a showboat, right? So mm-hmm. he wants to give Nancy the answer she was looking for before he kills her. I mean, that's the way I took it. Yeah, yeah, I got that too. It's just you know, to, I think to my, I think to maybe kind of make it more engaging, um, mm. but also have it move super fast. Um, I feel like he could have told her uh, what his why he hates humanity too, just to kind of like keep it going. Um, okay. I don't know. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, you think you may, yeah. I don't really feel the same way. Because I just, I was like really like caught up in it. So, but I understand. Um, did you see that twist coming? 
No, I was. I honestly thought that guy the whole time on uh, Eleven's flashbacks was like, kind of like, like subconsciously her protector or something. Yeah, like mm. you know, he was the one blocking her from seeing the memories that she blocked out or something. Like I thought, I don't know why I thought that ah. that was that that was it the whole time. I really didn't think he was real until you know we get until we were um getting to their escape. Uh, before everything went to shit, and I was like, "Oh, you're number one, obviously." Uh, as to whether or not he was the one that killed everyone, that was a big surprise, <laughs> right? That was a big surprise. I, I, really... I, I was pretty convinced that Eleven did in the beginning of the of the season, but Same. then they go back and show you, and it's like, "Whoa, damn!" Mm-hmm. So, that guy's pure evil. Yeah. Um. Also. Uh, well, actually, one thing I really liked about the scene, though, in the end, was that I remember in the second season, I didn't like that little thing her sister, Eleven's sister, told her about, like how using her anger will make her stronger and everything, and all that. And then we, they were bringing it back up in this in this season with number one telling her the same thing. Basically, I really don't like mm-hmm. that. Just person, just like personally, like in all superhero. Like movies and yeah. and everything, you know, it's always about like you know because that that's that's like in Star Wars, that's the dark side of the force. Yeah. But in this instance, like, well, we found a rebuff to that, right? Mm-hmm. Because Eleven didn't use her anger to overpower Vecna; she used love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she first, um, you know, blasted him off into the upside down. Yeah, and so I'm just kind of glad we're we're finally getting rid of that little story bit of her powers, and hopefully, we see a stronger version now of her. Did you like all of the 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 stuff that happened with Eleven? I was a bit surprised um, what we had here. So we begin the season with a contingent of the government on the hunt for her to kill her because they're stupidly convinced that she's the one that's causing these deaths. <coughs> what a bunch of idiots, mm-hmm. first of all. All right. So the less said about them, the better. Um, but then again, not really because what happens? Like uh, evidently they know where they are and they're about to like – attack and that's there's always that sense of danger out there and that's always um on edge because you saw what happened with um that shoot down at the buyer's house in california which was intense oh my god i know i, I think like we literally never seen anything like that in this show so when it happened no. you're just kind of like what the fuck <laughs> and, it, and then of course they top it off with argyle coming in <laughs> why is he holding that gun it's like draw oh my god it was hilarious it was actually really shot well like i kind of like that they kind of went with a one shot uh scene Mm -hmm. and everything like it was it was it was really really good also good on the fucking guards that they had usually like whenever there's guards you know they're just kind of dumb they get away and everything but no not this side they actually like one of them at least did a really good job protecting them and all that and it was actually kind of sad when he died because it was like dang you you freaking did your job <laughs> to the yeah, end. Yeah, I know. Like, come on. To the very end, yeah. Um, that was crazy. Uh, so, I'm I'm really trying to piece together the mythology of all of this. So, Dr. Owens comes back. Um, Dr. Owens, we first saw in season two, and he was the one that came after Brenner in charge of the Hawkins lab and was always seen as very um, friendly and not at all a monster, unlike what had come before. 
Um, and so he gets a lot of really good scenes with Eleven. And there was a bit of a shocker that happens once he takes Eleven to the secret base. Mm-hmm. And that is Matthew Modine, uh, Dr. Martin Brenner, is alive and well and working with Owens. And that was kind of like something I was not at all expecting um, to happen. First of all, it makes me question then. So Owens and and um, and Brenner very clearly are not friends, mm-hmm. but they seem to be allied for the moment because they know of the danger that's going to happen in Hawkins. I, I I'm I'm a little torn what to think. So does this mean that Brenner and Owens were always working? With each other? Or they just happen to be working with each other now because of Eleven? Um, I would say... I wouldn't say they were working together. Um, but maybe because he was alive and because Eleven was a bit of a success. Maybe he just kind of let him go, let him do his own thing. But it wasn't until what was happening at, at Hawkins that they were like, okay, now I need him back. You know? Yeah. And then, what did you make of all the scenes with Eleven and, and uh, Dr. Brenner? Uh, wait, which was that one? That's the... That Papa. Papa. Okay. Um, I don't like that guy. <laughs> I not, And not from like a... He's like a badly written character or anything like that. I'm like, no, I just... I don't right. know what your intentions are here. Like, I don't... See, that's what keeps me interested because I used to just think that he was just a, like a a straight-up bad guy. Mm. And he is. Um, but now, his intentions are much more unclear. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, at the end of the day. And it kind of makes you question... A lot of the season makes you question what was really motivating Brenner through all the horrible things that he kept doing. Um... And it actually is interesting because uh, they have interesting moments as characters this season, Brenner and Eleven. And there was a wonderful exchange that Brenner had with Eleven about, you know, do you see the world as too much black and white? There's a lot of gray in between. And I think in that moment, he was also referring to himself. Hmm. So... I don't know, I guess it it does come as a bit of a surprise that Brenner is not a complete monster. That there may be some altruistic motivations that keep him going throughout all of the the work and experimentation he's done into. Um, it's very interesting. And of course, we see Eleven going in through her... Inter- it reminded me a lot of... Um, what was it called? You know how Fitz and Simmons in Agents of Shield go into their um there's that episode where they their their brains are interlinked and they have to go back to their memories to solve, you know, figure out their shit. Mm-hmm. Um it reminded me basically of that where Eleven has to really like relive um the trauma that her body blocked out. And I think the Duffers have even gone so far as to say that um that was such a traumatic experience for Eleven. It kind of was the equivalent of a stroke or something where she went into a coma. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why a lot of the stuff that we see in season one, she has trouble speaking or she has like trouble like with words and everything because she went through all of that. Um, that's really interesting to hear. Um, but yeah, uh, it looks like all this was needed to get Eleven's powers back mm -hmm. at the end of the day because we need those goddamn powers. Because if we don't, holy shit. Yeah, I like the running joke that they were like, man, things are things were a lot easier with Eleven here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. And so, but I mean, yeah, everybody is at the mercy of Vecna uh, without Eleven. Mm. But it's interesting. Um, Eleven's the only person that, have beaten, that has beaten Vecna. So now that she's got her powers back, I guess we're amping up towards a showdown of sorts. That's going to be so exciting to see um, when that indeed that does happen. I want to ask, though, what. I really wonder what it is that a lot of characters just haven't picked up on it. What have you made of. Will and Mike this season, and what do you believe is going on there? Because to my eyes. It's very clearly something. It's very clearly one thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of... Um, there's a particular exchange that Will and Mike have toward the end of this first part of the season that I think confirm what's going on there. What do you feel? Um, Mike's the one living in California, right? Or is it no, that's Will. Mike is Mike is yeah. Mike is the one that you know his girlfriend is eleven, and Will Byers is uh, the one that went missing. Okay. <laughs> I'm so bad with names. I hate it. Don't worry. Uh, so is Peter. Um, I mean, Will um for sure has feelings for Mike. Um, I think that was fairly obvious. I mean, uh, in the beginning with Eleven's letter to to Mike, uh. I thought maybe Will had a crush on someone else, maybe on someone in school or something. But no, later mm. on, we see that um, it's clearly t still towards Mike and everything. It's never said, but I think it's pretty clearly telegraphed with um, a lot of facial expressions. Did you think this came out of nowhere? Or do you think it's been building to this for a while? I think it's been building for a while. Um, it's just it was never really the forefront of it. And I think they're doing it now because, again, the stakes are high. So uh, I think they want to, if there is a death between those two, um, they want to make it emotional as possible. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I mean, it also makes sense story-wise um, um, uh, how, the, you know, they, they were best friends in the beginning, but now because they're separated, you know, their their groove is all off and everything. Um, and so really building it up. Mike's no uh Will is not realizing like maybe he has feelings for a man. Uh well, maybe he realized that he has more feelings towards Mike than he thought. Uh if I think that does make sense narratively. So mm -hmm. as to what's gonna happen to them, I have no idea. Um I think it's a bad idea to kind of confess your love to um Mike. <laughs> I'm not sure what's gonna come of yeah. it, especially because we know that Mike already loves Eleven, mm -hmm. and I think uh, I don't think he uh, he would have admitted it to Will, but I think maybe Mike 
might know. I have no evidence of this in 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 this season or anything, but like I don't know. Maybe I just kind of I would like to think that maybe they're friendship. I think is Mike strong. knows something is something's off, but I'm not sure if he can. Sometimes Mike can be a bit dense. I don't know if he can figure that out. Um, as far as Will is concerned, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, that, that last exchange that they had in one of those episodes where Will himself said that, you know, sometimes people don't um, don't tell each other everything because out of fear for that person not liking the truth. So, um, I don't know. I feel bad <laughs> out of the whole situation. I don't know how it'll end well. That's yeah. what I'm concerned about it. Um, I just want somebody to fucking pick up on it. Because it's like, it's so fucking obvious, but seemingly to nobody else in the show. Um, Eleven is the only one that could like, at least had a guess that he liked somebody. But everybody else is like, who's Will? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's basically how it feels like. So with all that being said... Now, what are your thoughts with the storyline with Joyce, Murray, and Hopper? Man, isn't it hilarious? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... Actually, one thing, um, Eleven yes, and uh, Will's relationship, I kind of wish they had like a bit more of a brotherly sister. Um, at least it was, uh, at least they had like a bit more of a friendship between the two. I wish we'd seen more of it. Yeah. Yes, I agree with like, you. I don't know. I feel like, because like for sure they all care about her like they want her back and everything you know that's that's all mm-hmm. nice and on the and all uh but i don't know i just feel like maybe they could have had like a cool dynamic between the two uh so mm-hmm. i don't know maybe next season we'll finally see it i don't know uh in terms of um hopper and joyce um <laughs> i just found it hilarious the whole time honestly like that one guy he is so fucking funny um, Murray, yeah, Murray, he's so fucking funny the entire time. That <laughs> everything he does is hilarious. That bit where he was like, "I'm a black belt," uh, like, I, think, I think I can take him, and you think he's gonna fail completely, but he was like, he was on point. He fucking it actually paid off. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, uh, like, oh wow, he actually like trained for this. Cool, that's awesome. Um, in terms of Hopper, um. I I kind of I I like the fact that he just kept trying to fight for Eleven. He kept trying to go back to her and everything and then the one po- uh, and then at one point when he finally kind of gave up mm-hmm. his one thing to do was to stop Demogorgon that was in the prison. Yeah. De- you know I guess like we forget sometimes, right? Cuz there's so many characters. But you forget how talented some of the actors that can actually be David Harbour, for instance, you know, I, I, he is such a treasure and I feel so bad for him in his career that he hasn't had bigger hits and he's kind of like been caught in some unfortunate, like he's been in like superhero films that unfortunately have been some of the ones that just do not lead to more success. Mm-hmm. Everybody forgets he was even the fucking like, Red Guardian on the Black Widow movie because everybody forgets that movie exists. Hmm. So that was that didn't pay off at all. Yeah, and he was also Hellboy, which is, that's another movie people forget exists. But she was really good casting for that. Like I really yes would have done well, but I guess the movie it's sucked. Just, <laughs> no one was interested because you didn't bring back Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, yeah. So I feel bad, but. At least he's got this, and he gets a couple of moments here where it's like, 
he has a couple of monologues and it's like god damn you're making me cry here jim mm-hmm. like it was pretty fucking powerful stuff yeah. um and then it all coalesced in this like thrilling climax in the fucking the return of the demogorgon mm-hmm. and holy fuck though you see how quickly that demogorgon like dispatched a lot of those russians mm-hmm. he didn't have a prayer <laughs> Holy fuck. It was just like, I mean, it was legit some gladiator fights right there. And that Demogorgon was like loving every minute of mm-hmm. it. Jesus Christ. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm I'm glad that Hopper and Joyce are back together. Because I think that out of all of them, that's the wrong re- relationship that I'm rooting for the most. You know? Yes. If, absolutely. If Joyce yeah. and Nancy break up in this, or maybe one of them does die. I'll live. I'll live. But I better see Joyce <laughs> and see, Jim together. I want to see them happy <laughs> together. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely deserve it. Because they've, they've always had a spark since the very first episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Like That's the one where it's like, yeah, those those two have very clearly have been meant to be together, but for circumstances, they've always, like, not. And then with Joyce, man, she's had some terrible luck in the love department. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. With a shitty ex-husband, and then they got Bob, and he was... He was done dirty, that Bob. Mm. Um, You know, he was eaten up by dogs. Oh, yeah. Remember that? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, I just remember that bit. It's like, oh, what is this? A treasure map or something? (laughs) That's a stupid joke. (laughs) It worked for me. Sean Astin was so good on this show. Wow. Bob. I can't believe I forgot about him. Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's what go back and watch the seasons. There's a lot of stuff you forget. Mm -hmm. I asked Peter um, if he thought it was a mistake to not have at least watched a recap before watching the first episode of season four. And yeah, he was, it was a mistake. Mm. Because you forget so much. Because guess what? You haven't seen the show in three years. Of course you're going to forget. And some seasons, maybe even longer than three years. You're going to forget the smallest details. Mm -hmm. And rest assured, there's some shit that you didn't even know was being set up. Like, for instance, um, the character of Murray was first introduced in the very first episode of season two. Yes, he did play a larger role in in the second half of season two. And then even more in season three. But do you for, do you remember that in the first part, in the first episode where Murray, we see Murray outside of the police office and confronts Jim and he has a theory that the Russians have infiltrated Hawkins. <laughs> and that was a whole season in advance of what happened in the next season when they actually have infiltrated Hawkins. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> Isn't it? It's like, there's a lot of... You you go back and watch those seasons and like man the Duffers really planted a lot of seeds there mm-hmm. that really like you know came to fruition. Oh gosh, it is just it's an excellent show. Mm-hmm. It really is, and I also think it's one that rewards people for repeat viewings as well. So I implore people. If you love this show, just go back and watch it because you're going to pick up a lot of things you even yourself may have forgotten even happened. Like, I guess David forgot Bob existed. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was a big deal um, for that season. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, right now my favorite season is still the third one. Mm-hmm. I think that one, that's the one where, like, I felt the most for everybody involved. But um, season four, I don't know. It's pretty fucking great. It's pretty great. Yeah. So, um, 
<coughs> yeah, I think we we also tease what we expect will happen with um, what's it called? We we think that Steve or Nancy are are, are you know the ones that are up first in line to get off uh you know off off I guess that's the way to say it. I am cons. Also, we should also say, don't you think that that other guy that we you know the 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 piece of shit asshole I was talking about? Don't you think he's one of the ones that would be in the running? The to die the basketball guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would. I, honestly, I don't know because I feel like they could they could end it off with him like realizing like, oh, this wasn't the work of the devil at all, or or maybe he'll see Vecna. And he's like, oh, my God, it's the devil. And, you know, just starts freaking. Jason. His name is Jason, not Patrick. Oh, it's wow. Jason. Okay, well, we're off. Yeah, no, Jason. No, never mind. I I am begging the cosmos. Kill him. <laughs> I don't want no redemption. No. I just want justice. No, not a redemption. It's it, uh, it's more so, um, like, he'll finally realize, like, what is actually going on and feel stupid. And maybe just, like, run away at the end. I don't know. Like, people do see him as a coward later on or something at the end. But you know, um, something that I don't know if it can be resolved, David, the people of Hawkins are so fucking amped up right now mm-hmm. that whatever resolution happens, even if they, if they defeat Vecna, how is it going to calm down the people of Hawkins? Yeah. And is Eddie even guaranteed to be safe? Even if Vecna gets taken down? like I mean, the dude's like... Way over seventeen, like I think they said that he had to repeat, um, see yeah. him three times. Like he's an adult now. I think the best thing for him is just get out, <laughs> uh, get out of Hawkins and start somewhere. It new. feels like more now than ever. Hawkins is like at a breaking mm-hmm. point, and I don't know if there's any going back. Yeah. So I wonder how any of that's going to be addressed. Most assuredly, what would ha- what will happen is it's going to piss me off mm. one way or the other. And I really hope Vecna unleashes on those assholes. I really do. Come on, Vecna. I'm pulling for you. Mm. <laughs> Please. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, Kyle really loved this season. Um, Peter really liked the first episode. And then whenever they have their – whenever they're available and we can get their thoughts on them there on uh, as well. But any any last thoughts on this season, Dave? Um, no, I think I said everything. Uh, I'm just excited for the last season. And again, I'm so, I can't wait for them to all come back together. That's going to be, it's going to feel so nice. Yeah. That's always the sweet spot when they converge into one story. Yeah, I know I said epic before, but I don't think it's going to be epic exactly. I think this is going to be very emotional. You know, the Mm, Avengers Assemble scene, that was epic. Hmm. This is for sure going to be emotional. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. All right. As always, thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. Of course, as a reminder, you can listen to our weekly recaps of Miss Marvel. And then next time with Peter, hopefully we'll talk about a whole bunch of movies and TV shows we always do here on Red Spotlight. Keep it under our spotlight for more episodes and more every single Sunday. And maybe also on some other days as well if we have more content out. There's so much more to go, so much more to see here in 2022. So thank you for staying tuned, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.